Welcome to the Christopher Peter Review. My name is Christopher Peter and I am the political economist, investor, and podcaster behind the original content you will experience on the Christopher Peter Review podcast series. As a political economist, I aim to find ideas that can create the greatest amount of good for the greatest number of people. I review salient current events and discuss the impact these events have on our public policy, our economic outcomes, and our overall society and what is the optimal approach. Let us begin this special episode. America needs a society that understands right from wrong, both domestic and abroad. The only way to reverse the decline in our communities and globally is if the world's leading superpower and democracy is not confused about proper values and morals. There has to be no doubt what is right and what is wrong. How do we prevent bad behaviors from becoming normal? How can we disincentivize people who may have bad intentions or go about things the wrong way? That is the common problem we have in our society and any society. How can we keep crime at a minimum and how can we contain bad regimes from committing atrocities that lead to war and conflict? First, let us start close to home and discuss reducing the crime issues here in our communities. We cannot be naive in thinking that there will be zero crime or conflict. That is oblivious to issues with human nature, gaps in morality, and mental health. The reality is there are bad people in this world and it is the responsibility of our elected officials to implement preventative measures to deter their actions, hold them accountable when they do go forward with social bads, and to help the general public in finding ways to keep communities free of crime, corruption, and these bads. I think we all agree that crime, violence, and terrorism are undesirable in a civilized world. Any rational person rejects violence as a source of adjudicating differences. Over time, we have evolved beyond acting on basic instincts or at least we hope we have. Think about it. When we are younger, our child's mindset is to react immediately without thinking of consequences. Good parents usually try to encourage their children to talk about the issues and use words to describe perceived wrongs and why one feels another is responsible. But words alone are not usually the end point of these conflicts, right? The parents have to ensure that the party that is the guilty party is discouraged from allowing the situation to happen again. Especially if the behavior is repetitive. Some parents may use what some view as extreme forms of punishment and spanking, where the child is essentially taught that a bad action results in physical pain. While time-tested in the minds of most people throughout the world, this approach can lead to greater violence. While some may want to avoid that pain, others may learn to tolerate the momentary pain and worse yet inflict it on others. On the other end of the spectrum, there are those who coddle the offender too much. Where it is not their fault. They were not shown adequate love, society was not consistent in the application of rules, or simply deflected blame external to their beloved special child. This may be seen as compassionate, but encourages the continuation of bad behavior. Too often we see bad behavior be downplayed and the offender may grow even bolder as time goes on. Until that person finally goes beyond the point of no return and the avoidance of the worst case is no longer possible. There needs to be a balanced approach or medium where society discourages bad behaviors with real consequences that prevents mistakes from happening and rewards compliance our society kind of swings back and forth on the issues of crime and punishment from a domestic point of view. Many times we want leaders to be tough on crime. But when a rogue member of law enforcement goes beyond the acceptable limit, society overcorrects, and then criminals have a field day. The fair balance would be punishing criminal behavior consistently and holding all sides accountable for actions. Criminals should not escape consequences simply because law enforcement was too mean and law enforcement should not be able to circumvent due process or cause unnecessary loss of life due to excessive force. A balance that is common sense to most people. But too many people become embroiled in the emotion of events and ignore the facts. Now, these same policymakers have made the same mistakes with our foreign policy and security issues. 
the progressive left is a consistent advocate for what they deem fairness, equity, and diversity. They love buzzwords, but these buzzwords have no real meaning when there are contradictions. For instance, the border issues caused by our flawed public policy is creating an incentive to further violate federal laws. Consider the fact that New York is trying to help illegal immigrants work while there are many legal immigrants who are prevented from working. So the government of New York will give a benefit to those who violated a federal law but will not afford it to people who did the right thing and followed the process. Ideally, those who are here illegally are sent back to their homelands. That is not extreme but a justified consequence for their wrong decision. I believe that America must be able to do a much better job of being able to address bad behaviors and implement corrective actions that improves our social condition. If we are weak on crime in our own borders, we will be weak elsewhere, and will provide bad actors domestic or abroad the room needed to harm the innocent and good in this world. Now, let us bring Rules without consequences are not rules that will be followed by many people. That is just the truth. If we want to prevent bads from becoming the norm, we need greater enforcement to ensure compliance. In all fairness, we need to have fair rules and ones that actually matter for all in society. There are some people with high moral standards who will follow the rules because it is the right thing to do. There are others who will not follow any rules. And there is another subset of people that will follow rules only where they have a realistic chance of getting caught and that the penalties are substantial enough to impact their personal or financial well-being. For instance, there are many people who deliver stuff in New York City or provide services to New Yorkers where street parking is limited. Many of these providers understand the cost of doing business in the city is paying parking tickets when they double park or illegally park at times. Rather than reduce service time by driving around for spots, they rather factor tickets into their pricing and calculations. Now, the response could be booting these vehicles, increasing tickets and enacting price ceilings, or suspending business licenses related to violations. Or you could just take the revenue and decide whether the violation is really impacting society. Enforcement is essential with compliance with the important laws and regulations. There are many rules that are not truly costly to society. There are others where violations have greater consequences to the well-being of a community, society, and our economy. These are the rules that must be enforced. Lax enforcement has consequences. As we have spoken about many times, there are economic consequences such as loss of business and jobs. Loss of taxpayers as residents with the ability to relocate will leave. Quality of government services will decline as funding drops. The dreaded doom loop. The troubling trend is that policymakers seem confused on who are the good and bad in society. They are affording rule breakers benefits while demonizing people who actually contribute to society and our future. There is a loss of perspective that will only create more chaos and social bads because it is because it is being rewarded not punished. Jennifer into the discussion. Now, let us transition to the topic that is top of mind to most in our society and the world community. The world is at war on multiple fronts and America is struggling to handle multiple crises at the same time. For starters, the Biden administration does not have a strong track record of being able to handle anything appropriately or effectively. To some degree, their weakness and indecision can be a contributing factor to why the world is regressing away from one somewhat united by convenience to one divided by historical hatred or gripes. The world has not been peaceful because of choice, but because for many, Abiding by the global norms was economically beneficial more so than pursuing their destructive agendas. Now, America is trying to protect the world order by addressing dual conflicts at the same time. Of course our politics is attempting to cloud our response. 
Some in the media want to compare the Republican position of not providing blank checks to Ukraine with Democrats not wanting to support the self-defense right of Israel. This is a false comparison and I will explain. There is no basis for the claim that Republicans do not want to support Ukraine. Rather there is a legitimate question of how the funds and armaments are being used and what is the long-term strategy. The war is a prolonged one and seems to be at the point of a stalemate. As some have reported, it is somewhat rare that the United States provides aid to a nation without any strings attached. But Ukraine did not know who to trust so it had been receiving the aid without much consultation. Both parties have been consistent in the fact that Russia needs to be defeated and is the guilty party. That has been consistent. On the other hand, the Democrats have no justification for opposing the aid to Israel who is defending itself against a terrorist organization who pretends to be a political organization. Some Democrats are going as far as spewing rhetoric where they are sympathizing with terrorist supporters. Democrats are trying to take the both sides argument, when it truly does not apply to this situation. Hamas is a terrorist organization that needs to be destroyed and I have no real sympathy for the Palestinians who supported Hamas for its platform of hate. This is not a situation where a party was elected and went rogue. The people voted for Hamas because of its promise to do what it did and there is no room for sympathy. Now, it is clear that Israel is doing everything possible to reduce the collateral damage and went out of its way to give innocent people the heads up to leave. But they are staying. The fact that Democrats and their media supporters are accepting the false reporting from this terrorist organization is troubling and should make them not suitable for office in my opinion. They worry more about Islamophobia than they do about the anti-Semitic violence that is clearly occurring. No form of hate is tolerable. Let's make that clear. But you cannot worry more about the side that is demonstrating sympathy for the bad actors than the side that is the true victims. In regards to the engagement, I do think more surgical means could be used in their war strategy, but I think it would be a strategic mistake to allow a ceasefire right now. Especially when we know that the safe passage is being exploited by Hamas. This is not appropriate. A ceasefire is not appropriate in this conflict nor in the fight in Ukraine. You cannot give the bad actors space to rearm, regroup, and rethink. That is what the American left seems to be supporting. I get that people want to protect innocent bystanders. Provide humanitarian aid where needed. I think the biggest concern is that these conflicts will grow into a larger scale conflict, which is something no one wants to see. My concern is that we do not have the adequate leadership in place to stop such an event from occurring. I know some will say this is not the time to criticize our leaders, but I think the ongoing record of incompetence is concerning to a point that we need to make sure they are held to account on a daily basis. One could argue that this would not be even an issue if it were not due to their weakness and miscalculations. We need to stop appeasing the bad actors. Not sure why there are people wanting to give any kind of funding to dangerous rogue regimes like Iran. There is no doubt that any funds received will be used for terrorism. They are not even denying it. But our leadership is making the claim that it will not be used. We already see that humanitarian aid that has been brought into Gaza is being used for the fighters not the people. So we really need to update our thinking. If we cannot ensure that the funds are going to where it is needed and not funding the bad actors, then we need to withhold funds. The world is fracturing because of the weakness of our president and his administration's foreign policy. Turns out foreign policy is less effective if it is solely reactionary and not at all proactive and predictive. We must consider that we went from a situation where Arab nations were agreeing to accept Israel as a regional party in dealings under the Trump administration to one of war. That is something we cannot turn a blind eye to. While there has been a consistent level of anti-Semitic and anti-Christian hate from the Middle East, there was some progress to a degree in forming a basis where Arabs could work with Jews on economic and trade. 
But that is lost to some degree as some of these Arab nations are unsure of what will happen as Iran is provoking terror, as it always has done. Strategic mistakes like not taking the Russian threat as serious as it should have been. Allowing the Taliban to retake Afghanistan. Giving Iran billions of dollars days before it approves and coordinates the atrocities that took place in Israel. These are all catastrophic failures in our foreign policy by a president whose party obsesses about America's reputation on the world stage. What do they think of our reputation now? Turns out our reputation is not so good. From a recent Wall Street Journal report, the world is not just divided by our political differences. But the divide is impacting how the world trades. Globalization is now back to regionalization, as the world is breaking apart and separating into predictable corners. The old sentiment that nations that trade together will be less likely to engage militarily is starting to be a thing of the past. America is doing less trade with emerging markets as these nations are turning to China and Russia because there are no political strings attached. America is being pushed aside and that is a dangerous trend. We must find ways to ensure that the good shines and the bad are contained. Both at home and abroad. Thank you Jennifer. Now, let us close with our normal Tuesday topic. Sports. The NBA started its own version of an in-season tournament, gleaning from global soccer with its Champion League's competition. There is a critical difference between the two. In European soccer, the in-season Champions League tournament allows the best from multiple leagues to compete against each other in an elite competition. The NBA is simply competing against itself, which is kind of pointless without global teams. Now, on to football. The Pittsburgh Steelers may lack talent in comparison to others. But I truly believe they have greater heart and coaching quality than many teams in the league. They win games where their offense is outplayed. Their defense is outplayed. But they win the big moments. They make plays when needed and rise to the occasion when appropriate. In my opinion, the biggest game of the week was the matchup between my Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, which was a great game. The game was another close one that unfortunately gives both sides an argument that if one or two plays went differently, the outcome would have been different. And in this game, there were two clear moments where a mere inch seen on replay changed outcomes of scoring plays. But, the Eagles continue to show that they can still not play up to expectations and come out with a victory and control a game. Although, they almost gave the game away at the very end. To his credit Dak Prescott played really well in a meaningful game. Something he does not always get credit for. Compared to the game against the Niners, he did not turn the ball over. But the Eagles and Cowboys have more familiarity with each other than they each have with San Fran. There still is one more matchup in a few weeks in Dallas. So, the Eagles will have to make it through the vaunted section of their schedule and pick up a few road wins in KC and Dallas to really secure the top seed in the NFC. While some Cowboys backers want to point out how close they were, the reality is that Eagles games are like that this year where the Eagles control the game but sometimes let the opponents close the margin, but they still cover. Eagles fans have to appreciate the toughness of our quarterback Jalen Hurts who is playing through a bone bruise in his knee. He played well in this game. The Eagles' next opponent is the Super Bowl rematch in two weeks against the Kansas City Chiefs, who were in Germany against their former star-wide receiver. The Chiefs won against the Miami Dolphins and Tyreek Hill in a game that was not as close as the final score showed. The defending champs ran out to a three-touchdown lead, one of which was a gift from Hill. The Dolphins scored twice in the second half but came up short in their opportunities in the end. Now the Chiefs and Eagles head into their buys and will face off in Arrowhead on Monday night in two weeks. For this week, the Eagles continue to sit atop of record count. But, style-wise, teams like the Ravens and Bengals are showing that their form may make them threats to the Chiefs in the AFC. 
Thank you for experiencing this special content on the Christopher Peter Review. Please continue to visit daily for more content. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow.